0: listening to the animation addicts podcast episode 120 the princess and the frog all that in the bag of chicks
1: To the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. My name is Chelsea Robson and my amazing co-host, Miss Morgan Stradling. Hello, hello. So today we have the amazing opportunity to Today is a it's one of those special occasions where we get to review one of our patron picks. And today we are, this is episode 120 of the Animation Addicts Podcast. We are reviewing the princess and the frog.
0: And one thing you might notice is that our other co-host, the staple of the trio, Mason Smith, (laughs) is not here today. Mason has some school projects they had to focus on, so we pushed the episode back, hoping that maybe he'd be able to make it. But, alas, he could not. School is top priority, so he is off doing school stuff and Chelsea and I are going to take the reins on this Chelsea Morgan episode and it seems like whenever we do these they're usually very princessy just it just happens to be you know <laughs> it's true. The, we did um the swan <laughs> princess is a classic Morgan Chelsea episode that's tinkerbell or Mason may have been on tinkerbell I don't know but he was not okay so very girly <laughs> episodes just happen to be us and that's not Planned, it just happens. So I'm actually really excited to talk about The Princess and the Frog because I do like this movie. I have lots of opinions on this movie. I'm really sad Mason won't be here because Mason is a great host, uh has a great commentary. I love his thoughts and his reviews. So, Mason, if you're listening to this, you will be
1: missed. Very much so. Yes. Yeah, so the if you are wondering, okay, you just stumbled on this. Who are these girls? Why are they here and why am I here? Well, we are the rotoscopers. Rotoscopers means that we basically go over every bit of animation. We we kind of dissect and, and figure out the things that we like, the things that we don't like. But in the end, we're just fans. We're fans just like you that we just love to be able to talk about animated movies. And this one is no exception. It is it's a princess Disney. Awesome. So, we're excited. Who's excited?
0: to jump right into this episode talking about it chelsea and i will have lots to say but so the episode that we are reviewing it's the princess and the frog so this was a patron pick for this episode which is really exciting and uh some just basic information about this film so it is called the Princess and the Frog. It was produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios. It was released uh, technically on November twenty fifth, two thousand nine. Um, that had a very limited release, where so it was only released in a few uh, cities. But then its wide release was December eleventh, two thousand nine. Uh, it its budget was $105 million, and it made a hefty $267 million. So we will talk a little bit more about this film, its legacy, uh, what it means for 2D animation, was it a bomb, was it a hit, and all of those things. Uh, oh, and really quickly, you need to know about the directors. It is the amazing Ron Clements and John Musker of many, many Disney movies. They have done Treasure Planet, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, hercules so many amazing you know films that we've talked about in previous episodes they uh the great mouse detective they are the disney duo and they were actually brought back from uh, i guess disney retirement um In a way, they hadn't necessarily (laughs) retired, but obviously I'm getting, just so you know, I'm getting this information from Wikipedia. Also, I am getting it from interviews and making of videos that we watched during, to prepare for this, as well as the art book. So it's kind of from all sorts of places. But before we go into this movie, I think it's really important that we jump into the history of this movie, because this is a very important film for Disney animation. And so it was actually Disney's return to the 2D animated form. So after Home on the Range, which was released in 2004, it was announced that they were shutting down the Disney animation as far as 2D was concerned, and they weren't going to do any more of that. Uh, however, when Disney bought Pixar uh, around 2007, John Lasseter, who's the head of Pixar, was also brought on to be sort of the creative officer for not only Pixar, but, and basically the head of of Walt Disney Animation Studios and one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to, you know, re- revive Walt Disney Animation Studios because those years in the mid 2000s early 2000s weren't its best stuff. It wasn't definitely renaissance quality. Um however, so he decided okay, let's bring Ron and John back for this film and he gave them open uh, you know, to say whatever. If you'd like to do, do the CGI, great. If you want to make it 2D, great. Um, but could you come back? And of course they said yes, which is pretty cool. Um, and this film has a lot of elements that are very traditional, classic Disney, you know, very Renaissance-esque with, you know, musical, 2D, princess. It kind of hits all these big things that made the, the some of their films very popular in the 90s. So that is just a little history. We'll get a lot more about making pre-production and all sorts of things. But Uh, What are your initial thoughts of this film, Chelsea?
1: I remember a lot of when this movie was coming out and I remember like thinking up to it when hearing about the fact that, oh my gosh, they are doing it again. They're coming back with this. Uh, 2D animation and I just remember you and I talking about it just being so excited and then we would always be talking about like, oh have you heard the voice of the girl that's going to be on as you know Tiana have you heard this have you heard that and we were just very excited about that and also I remember um, yeah those are just some of the the things like going into the film um, however during the film I, I was kind of like hmm my first impressions was not, I didn't, I had a hard time with it. The first time I saw it now, I will say that the second time going into it, I liked it a little bit more. Um, but that first time I saw it, I had a hard time just because of like the voodoo aspects, just because I've like, I don't know, I've been around that like, in the past. I've have had encounters with certain things that it's just like, mm, I'd rather stay away from that. So that's why like I had an issue with it. But in general, like the art, the story, the people, the it. I liked those aspects of it a lot.
0: So for me, this was a film that I was very eagerly anticipating. Obviously, I was a huge Disney nut. Chelsea kind of went into it. You know, we were talking about this film. I was so excited when it was finally announced. It was initially not the princess and the frog, but it was the frog princess. Um, however, when Disney announced some initial things about this film, there were a lot of people that got up in arms, and it was seen that the frog princess title was sort of derogatory to the French, and so it was therefore changed. Um, and there were a few other things I, I, I remember these very distinctly. Initially, the character they, they announced this at some sort of you know investor meeting, and and here's the initial sketches of her. And here's our idea of what she's going to be. And so Tiana initially was named Maddie, which, and she was a chambermaid. And this got a lot of people up in arms because Maddie seemed too similar to the term Mammy, which again was something you didn't necessarily want your main character to be associated. It was considered (laughs) derogatory. And, um, also chambermaid was seen as not necessarily a great profession for your first Uh, african-american princess basically for disney you know and so ultimately you know they did go back and they tweaked things they changed her name to tiana and then she was a waitress instead of a chambermaid but that's also when they brought in oprah winfrey winfrey as a consultant to the princess and the frog like okay we're two white guys were clearly messing this up <laughs> and all we did was announce a few basic things uh the title's wrong the character's name's wrong her profession's wrong like uh. and so they brought oprah winfrey in to be a consultant to kind of help guide this film and so she's also one of the main characters in the film well not main characters but she is tiana the voice of tiana's mom which initially i was like mm, really but you know oprah's decent actress and she does a great job in this particular role so yeah I like her a lot uh, in the role that she does it's it's kind of minimal and very small but it's good so um okay I'm still talking about my first thoughts because I have a lot of thoughts this was a very (laughs) very uh important movie to me and you know one of the things that I, I definitely remember initially when this movie came out was the teaser trailer and this is kind of the period where Uh, A lot more things were being released online and you were paying attention to the news online. I feel like I wasn't necessarily uh, in the late 90s or early 2000s, like keeping up on every single little bit of news for the new animated film. Like I knew they were coming out and I'd see the trailer in theaters, but I wasn't necessarily looking them up online and and following them as closely as I do now, obviously. Uh, And I remember when the very first teaser trailer came out, that was the one where Tiana is on the balcony and... Uh, it, it's very short, but initially from the very beginning, I remember looking at her character design and the way that she was animated thinking, OK, that is Mulan. That <laughs> is a near replica of Mulan. The guy who who animated Mulan must be the animator for Tiana. And who knew it actually is the exact same animator. So Mark Hen did a great job, but it was just really funny that his style was so recognizable to me that it was almost as if they were the same character in in the way that they were they moved. So That's interesting. Um, but then when the movie did come out, so you know, we've talked that you know, we've gone on missions for our church before and I was on one of these missions mm-hmm. at the time that this film came out and when you're on a mission you're really focused on the work and serving the people. And you don't go to movies. You don't go on the Internet, really, other than to email your family. And so you're kind of disconnected from some of the things that you might normally be connected with. And so when this movie came out, it was like right in the halfway point. Um, before I was going to come home. And so I did not get to see this movie when it initially came out, even though I was probably one of the biggest fans for this movie. Um, I do remember when I'd go to the grocery store to buy food, I would see the promotion for it and I'd get really excited. Um, And I did, someone gave me a big book of stickers for this film. (laughs) And they were really big stickers and I actually still have them. Like there's this big one um, of Lewis. And I just remember looking at him thinking, like, this is so cool. And and the whole reason I was so captivated by this film, and I'm so sorry, I'm just, like, rambling. But when there's no Mason, I guess Ramble. it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I was so captivated by this film, it was just this return to the 2D form just made me so excited. Because there was just so much legacy and history that Disney has and being one of the best to do 2D animated films that I just knew that this was going to be good. Now, mm-hmm. is it as good as... Some of them films from the early 90s are some of my favorites. I don't think so. Um, but there are some very, very good things about this film. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my initial thoughts about this film. And I can't wait to talk more about my opinions
1: for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's a fun um unknown. I didn't know this, but the code name for this movie while in production was actually Orpheus. Oh. So that yes. was like interesting. So I I, I always thought it really <laughs> interesting like with these little tidbits they're like how are we trying i wonder how they came up with that it just makes me laugh so something that's interesting i we we rented this
0: film on amazon to mm-hmm. watch it so if we don't have the movie or it's not on netflix uh we rent the film because you know we like to support the creators of the film obviously obviously, obviously right uh- and so i thought it was really cool on amazon they have this thing called x-ray where it for each scene um whoever is in that scene it will show you their actor who is voiced each character so um when tian is talking it this thing this box will pop up um it doesn't you can engage or disengage it but it'll say okay you know uh, this this person is voicing this character, this horse is voicing. But there's also a little tidbit box, a little trivia. So mm-hmm. every scene sort of had this little bes- behind-the-scenes tidbit. Um, and there were quite a few of them. And, it, and I was sitting there and I was reading them. And I, I learned a lot from these X-ray bonus clips. So if you ever want to rent a movie from Amazon, uh, not all of them have this. This is actually the first time I've ever seen this. So I think it might be some, maybe a Disney thing. I don't know. But definitely check it out because i thought it was really cool and i learned a lot that i hadn't read anywhere else yeah so so good stuff all around
1: yeah and it was really nice because as you're watching it all these like the actors came up and you're like oh i don't have to like think who is that Mm -hmm. like oh that's nice and i get to see your pretty picture i'm like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) it's one of
0: those fun things so kind of going back to this film like in my research you know This is considered the film that sparked the Disney neo-Renaissance, which is kind of like the second renaissance. Um, While the film had great critics, you know, critically acclaimed, it just didn't do amazing in the box office. And it's funny because as I was reading different articles, initially Disney announced this film to be a success. You know, that it definitely Mm -hmm. had doubled, almost tripled its budget. But, you know, when you look back and you think about this film, I don't think the perception of Disney toward this film is that this film was a success. I feel like it's recently it's been painted in the light that it is not a success for Disney. Um, It was a flop. That's why we're not doing 2D anymore. And um, but looking back at some of these initial reports, Disney was like, yes, this did great. A few things that I think affected this film and it didn't do as well as it could have. So one was the title, and this is something that, like, we like to joke and criticize Disney for their new titles now for these princess films. You know, instead of Rapunzel, it's Tangled. Instead of The Snow Queen, it's Frozen. Uh, And apparently Disney was given the directive that if you name your film The Princess and the Frog, uh, people will think it's for little girls and they won't go see it and they mm-hmm. said no no there's no way i mean we're disney they're going to come for the story they are going to know that this is a great film and uh that apparently panned out to be somewhat true just audience didn't audiences didn't go out and see this movie um as as expected and it's just funny that like we do have these biases as people or as a society that affect you know big groups of people. Where if I see a movie with princess in it and I see that it's animated, I might consider it to be a kids cartoon and that's not for me. Um, however, something as simple as just changing the name and removing the idea of a princess even being in there, uh, maybe I would go see it. So it's I think that's just really interesting. Just I th- I think it would be very very rare for us nowadays to see a Disney film with the term princess in it nowadays or yeah based whatever the original fairy tale is you know if there's some other fairy tale that they want to adapt they probably wouldn't use the fairy tale name they would give it some disney twist um, which Mm -hmm. is popular now um another thing it wasn't marketed very well i don't think that they really you know going back to that title it just uh i was reading a lot that just the way that it was promoted and marketed didn't really hit uh, the core audience that they were trying to hit, um, which is unfortunate because you spend so much time on this amazing film and it just kind of fails. Uh, and also another reason uh, is it did open five days before Avatar. Yeah. So it was supposed to be released on Christmas Day. However, Alvin and the Chipmunks: the Squeak Wolf, came out that, t- that on Christmas Day that year, and so they pushed it back
2: because um, that's
0: the one we need to be worried about yeah unfortunately well, I, I mean for i am yeah if you're disney at this point in time and you see how well the first one did comparatively and then yeah. you realize that your films which haven't you haven't released an animated film that's done well like six, enormously successfully well in the past few years mm-hmm. uh i would be a little bit trepidatious as well so yeah I get why they moved it uh, with the avatar train that it was seems inevitable. I mean, maybe they should have done this in November and, you know, during the holiday break and had a little more success. I don't know. You know, and, you know, uh, Mark in the comments is bringing up an interesting point, which is definitely what we're going to talk to. Uh, another reason he thinks it didn't do well is because it just wasn't that great story wise. And we will definitely talk about this film. It's, it's great, um, but I don't. Well, it's good, but I don't think it's great as far as the story goes, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's. I'll, I'll agree with that. <laughs> we'll just go with that. <laughs> um but it did get it did get an Academy Award nomination for um animated feature, best animated feature. And two so. of its
0: songs were nominated for best. Yes, song, however, you did not win. Oh, so, let's um fair. should we just talk about let's just talk about the music because that's one thing yeah. that um definitely was key like we want to bring back disney 2d animation and we want it to be a musical so they one thing that lasseter didn't want he didn't want this to feel like it was just hitting the same beats that they hit in the 90s literally so he did not go with alan menken he instead went with randy newman who randy newman is basically the pixar guy the pixar music guy um so he has a great relationship with him. He knows he's good and successful. So he brought him over to do the music. Now, there is a lot of songs in this. And mm-hmm. I want to know what you think. Is, are there too many songs in Princess and the Frog or Just Right or Not Enough?
1: I didn't think that there were too many songs. I felt like there was just a disconnect from the characters still, though um and cuz normally what the songs are supposed to do is they're supposed to make you see inside the character you're supposed to make you develop the character and there's there are quite a bit of there is quite a bit of that but i just i still didn't feel like i connected you know as far as like almost there was was a, um nominated and also down in new orleans for best original song uh which is kind of sad that both of those got nominated because that's you know breaking up your audience so you're not going to be get like a surefire win so that's probably why they didn't win can't split the vote can't split the vote man (laughs) (laughs) um but as far as like character i'm i just yeah randy newman i'm listening to his stuff and i'm like you're good randy you're good because he just is he's got a lot of he started out as a you know, in the pop scene. And then later on, he was just like, you know what? I'd rather like do movies. (laughs) He's really good at it. I'm pretty positive. He's done way better in movies than he ever did pop. So, and I love his voice. He's great. Yes. Um,
0: I actually love the music in this film. I love all the songs and I love the score. I just feel that it, it feels very Disney It feels, Mm -hmm. you know, very Disney musical. Um, However, it's different. We have a different vibe. And I do think that since it is set in New Orleans, that we definitely get to go a different route with the music than we normally would. It does still feel big and grand uh, and and Disney Broadway-esque, but it just has a different flair, which I appreciate. And he, I think I read that he was actually from New Orleans or lived in New Orleans. So this was something he was excited to do. His wheelhouse. Yes. I like it. Um, So so there's quite a few songs Um, down in New Orleans. I love that very first song that opens up the scene because we really get to see. I think it it sets the vibe of the film. You know, we see Tiana. She's working now. uh, It's hard because I want to talk about so many different things. Uh, We'll talk about the music. Well, should we like talk in order? Ah, I don't know. (laughs) Let's just talk. Okay, we'll just talk. Um, I think it sets the vibe really well. My favorite song of all the songs is Almost There, which um, mm-hmm. is done in a very interesting art style, um, although I feel that that song needs another verse. Every time it comes on in my car, at least, I belt it out, and I'm, it just ends so quickly. And uh, I just would have loved another verse. Obviously, if this were on Broadway, it would be expanded, but... Again, there are lots of songs in this film, and so they couldn't all have four-minute songs. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. your whole movie right there. But Not Right. Um, and then we have Friends from the Other Side, which is Dr. Facilier's song. And these three songs are all within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And I realized that initially because I remember in Frozen, that's one of the big things that we just had song after song after song. And then going back and looking at this, I'm like, oh, man. Princess and the Frog was the exact same way. We right. definitely hit you with the songs. And so is that overkill?
1: I, you know, the only ones that really stick out to me are Almost There and Friends on the Other Side. So those, I think the other ones could have been a little overkill because they just don't stick out. You know? Well, I said, when we're human, eh. I give, I give that an eh.
3: <laughs> an eh <laughs> because, or a meh?
1: <laughs> eh. <laughs> the thing I didn't like about When We're Human is because it made me just 100% think of All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, they're on this alligator throating down the swamps in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just singing a song. And I just was like, that's all this is. And then it also had the whole, like, when we're human. But it, it, it made me... It's a good song. I you know, but it's, I, it's just... The fact that it it made me think of so many other things at the same time, it just made me feel like it wasn't original. Original.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So Uh, another few other songs are going to take
0: you there. Sung by mm -hmm. Jim Cummings. Then we have Mabel Evangeline and then dig a little deeper. And then we do have a few reprises and finales of the down in New Orleans theme. Mm -hmm. But
1: how did you like dig a little deeper? I like
0: Dig a Little Deeper a lot. I think yeah. that
1: Mama Odie
0: is such a great character. We will we'll, we will talk about her, but it's just fun and it just has it just like makes you want to dance. So yeah. I think it's good that, you know, she's introduced that way. It does uh during that scene it does kind of feel like they're trying to be very Disney, you know, with mm-hmm. the birds and the animals. It's sort of uh a friend like me or um <laughs> I just want to be king. I got definite vibes, which is, like Dizzy, that's yeah. their thing. You're gonna have like this over the top show tune choir sort of thing. But
1: do you feel uh, like they good. were trying to be like that? They're trying to make you think of all these other things. Mm, I mean, because at the same time, they were they. Another reason why they didn't want to have Alan Macon come in is because he had just done or was in the middle of doing Enchanted. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so because of that, he like I can totally see in that one. They're trying to make you come back. He had just done it because it was right before they had opened it back up. Okay, so yeah. So that one, you knew that they were trying to get you to, you know, those reminiscent because it was kind of in a joking way of like, oh, yeah, ha ha. Um, Well, I don't know if the lyrics necessarily
0: evoke that, but it's the animation and everything that's uh happening in the scene. It's right. be my guest, where you, you just have all these ancillary background characters that come out of nowhere who suddenly are part of your show to inquire,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So whether that was intentional or not, I don't know, but it's a good song.
1: <laughs> it's good, it's good. It's good.
0: <laughs> so okay, let's just go into our characters. Um, can't start
1: off without talking about our lead, Miss Tiana. Miss Tiana. Okay, when they open up the scene and you have both the kids there together. I it was one of those interesting things like you you show the difference of what her best friend kind of grows up as and then as juxtapose of where she's at. And I don't know if I liked that honestly because I understood why it had to kind of be that way, but I don't know. I just it wasn't my I didn't particularly like it. You just <laughs> you didn't like like the inequality that was shown not that not the inequality i just felt like they were very they did a good job of making them like making them friends and have not having there be like a fighting between them or any jealousies like you could tell there wasn't any jealousies there but i feel like there could have there could have been a little bit more development in their friendship as far as like why they're friends yeah it really only seems that they are friends
0: because her mother was the best seamstress in all the land and made all of Charlotte's dresses, right? Um, And so because she was always being fitted for these dresses, they just became friends. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking like, wow, how nice that you just let everyone come into your house and not only that, bring your kids and hang out with my kids. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's I I do like their friendship. I I agree that maybe there could be a little bit more development there. But then again, there's only so much
1: time mm-hmm. um, and there's only so much you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. But that was just my thought of as far as them. It wasn't it wasn't the the contrast. It was just the fact that I'm like, I don't nec- I don't completely believe it. Mm-hmm. So that was my problem with that but at the same time you really like i like her animation i like the fact that they you know they show that she's kind of more the level-headed one from the get-go she's the one that's like "Ew, no i would never kiss a frog Mm oh disgusting Mm -hmm. (laughs) while you have charlotte who's like uh sure why not (laughs) yeah yeah you see where i
0: want to go it's it's funny because It's interesting because you see the two and how they're both, at the very beginning, very much engrossed by these fairy tales and Charlotte even more so than Tiana. But Tiana still buys into them, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But then when we go back to the family, her father's very much a realist. And obviously because he... And their family, they don't live in this fantasy world where Charlotte basically can play dress up all day and do what she wants. So of course she can live these fairy tale lives um, while they live in the real world and they have to get jobs and make it work and support the family. And mm-hmm. so he kind of sets her, doesn't set her back, um, but kind of sets her more in reality with the mindset of you don't need to wish on a star. You just need to work hard and, and you'll be able to get, what you
1: want mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think it kind of did set her back slightly <laughs> well yeah because she took it way too far yeah so as far as charlotte um,
0: charlotte <laughs> is my favorite character i absolutely love charlotte i love everything about her heart eyes galore for charlotte i just love how animated she is you know she's an animated character so obviously if you're gonna make her a little bit more over the top but she is so over the top where it's just such a delight to watch not only from just how she acts and reacts but also in how she dresses in her Mm -hmm. outfits It just I think of that one scene where she's dancing on on the ball, you know, gown, or she's dancing on the ballroom floor, and her dress just feels like this giant bubble that's just <laughs> boop, boop, doo, moving around. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's so fun. So I love that they really pushed her character and made her so over the top in basically everything that she does, whether it's her clothes, her her reactions, her boy craziness. Uh she is definitely that. And, t- and it is a good boil to Tiana, who is pretty serious where she won't even go out with her friends to have a good time. She's just so nose to the grindstone. And then you have bubbly Charlotte, who's just a delight.
1: (laughs) She is. And I think I think one reason they brought her in as well is just because watching Tiana be like that. One, you need to get the juxtaposition of like she's not everybody is like her and so you see that she's so far different. But also, you get not bored of watching that, but you just kind of, you like seeing Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You like seeing that type of a person just like, Wah! crazy. I mean, I, I have friends like that that are just like, wow, you have a lot of energy. <laughs> um,
0: real quick, going back to Tiana, one thing that I noticed uh-huh. was when I was reading, um, obviously the actress is Annika Noni Rose. And there was all sorts of people who wanted to do the voice of Tiana. Mm, I think Alicia Keys had reached out to even Disney herself and Jennifer Hudson was in the mix because this is such an iconic character. The first Disney, you know, the black Disney princess, which or, you know, princess of color. It's amazing and it's a huge honor. Mm -hmm. And so she was ultimately picked. They wanted this. This was actually one of the first Disney films where the characters were not only uh, voiced, but also sung by the same actor. Uh, A lot of times they just kind of farmed the singing voice out to some some Broadway actress who could do a great job. Judy, Judy Kuhn and such. Um, (laughs) uh, Leah Salonga. Leah Salonga, yeah. Leah Salonga. Uh, But okay, (laughs) she she was made. So... um, Miss Rose was made a Disney legend in 2011, which was just two years after this film was wow. released. And is that a little premature? Yeah, I say so. I mean, just two years after the film comes out, you don't even feel like that film can even have that big of a legacy. Frozen's been out for two, you know, Go, it'll be three years at the end of this year. And we haven't rushed to make Kristen Bell and, Uh, Dina menzel disney princesses yet so i think they just did it because it was like oh you're the first black disney princess you gotta be uh, a disney legend because looking back like yes this is a good film but i don't think it has left its mark like some of the other films have i mean look at uh, this frozen just completely destroys this film as far as Uh cultural significance and disney significance um, you don't you you do see Tiana in the parks, but yeah, it's, it is frozen central everywhere. <laughs>
1: Even. <still. gasps> no, it's true. And I I kind of look at that. Not that I'm I, I mean, I'm not like there to just be like picking on things like rah, 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 um But I I do kind of see like I I mean, Bill Farmer had been doing Goofy and several other characters for voice actors for Disney for so many years and it took him forever to get that honor and I just kind of like I wish you would have at least been in one more thing at least one more something to Mm -hmm. be considered a Disney Disney legend
0: yeah well it is what it is I'm not a Disney legend so maybe I'm just bitter (laughs) we're all bitter (laughs) Ah, one day, one day. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So going on, we're then introduced to the you know, the light-hearted playboy Prince Naveen. Oh, he is
1: so hunky,
0: but so oh hunky. such a slacker.
1: He is really hunky. And you look at him, you're like, dang. I remember when we did the review for the art book, we went into a lot about Prince of Naveen. Um also, definitely, you should check out that art book. Really pretty. Really, definitely, I would say worth that one. I will include an Amazon link in the show notes so you can <laughs> not only buy it,
0: but support the podcast while you're at it. And I'll hey. also include a link to our review because that's a fun one, too.
1: It is a fun one, yes. Um, but yeah, I think Prince Naveen, you know, at first, I was I didn't like him. <laughs> because you see him and you're just like, I just dislike laziness and like guys who think that they are all that in the bag of chick uh chicks (laughs) they're all they probably have a (laughs) bad bag of chicks they probably have (laughs) a bag of chicks so it's just like oh i just am not a fan of this like that's just my own prejudices coming out um which i'm sure that they were trying to push a little bit just to show you also the juxtaposition of her and him and her and everyone really yeah so basically tiana is just like out of this world, very different from the world. Yeah, and it, it goes to show at the very beginning, like, mm,
0: these two are not going to get along. They're not a match. But it's funny how opposites attract in
1: Yeah. Both both of them do
0: change by the end of the film and are able, uh-huh. to, you know, to grow.
1: I think they did show his growth pretty well, though. Like, the moment he kind of opened up a little bit and he was like, I don't know how to do anything. He's just kind of like... I do this because I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of made you think like, OK, I can kind of forgive you for that. But at the same time, do you <laughs> like, like, do I really forgive you? <laughs> well, you are cute. OK,
0: <laughs> you know, I think it's really interesting, this whole premise of him. So he's from this imaginary city, even though we're set in or, you know, country we're set in New Orleans, which is, you know, grounded in reality. And then he's from just some other country. And it's just really funny that he is royalty and his family has cut him off because he's so lazy. And they've cut him off until he can learn the value of responsibility. And I just sit here and I think, would a king and queen actually do that? And he seems to be the heir, right? Right, He is the heir to the throne.
1: So, mm, (laughs) well, they did have a backup, you know well yes <laughs> the six-year-old <laughs> let's hope <laughs> please
0: by the time that he grows up that Naveen can at least learn his lesson before that happens <laughs> but no uh, Mald- Maldonia let's see I-, I thought that's what it was but I, I didn't want to say it and mess it up and then comments galore
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that you know the parents cutting it off definitely that wouldn't happen in the day of tabloids and I mean, but they, did, they do show him in the newspapers. Like, oh, he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they just, I just really don't care. I feel
0: like if you cut him off... From, you know, the family riches, obviously, that he's still going to make it work because he's a prince. Like, he could go to any other city, any other country, and just the fact alone that he is a prince is going to open so many doors for him, so many parties. You can stay here, eat our food, be a mooch. You're the prince. (laughs) I love it. So, I, I... I know I'm like totally picking this apart, but that's basically what he did. He came here. He didn't get to act on it because he was taken away by Dr. Facilier and, you know, thwarted his ability to mooch even more. But she Charlotte opens up her house to him and says, you can stay with us and, you know, come to our ball, do all of this. And um, so not much has changed. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, the whole frog thing really was a step in the right direction. For me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, going along
0: with Prince Naveen, there's Lawrence. And I didn't like Lawrence just because I didn't understand why he turned on Naveen so quickly. It wasn't, and that's the kind of one of the main problems I have with N- Lawrence and Dr. Facilier is that I don't feel that their motivations, we had enough time to really believe them. Or Mm -hmm. get to understand why they would be saying, uh, acting certain way. Uh, But particularly Lawrence, I mean, the only thing we see is that, yeah, he's having to tote the bags around and usher Prince Naveen around. Um, But I didn't really get like such a vibe that he was so bitter about this and upset that he was just going to turn on Prince Naveen at a a moment's notice. And... And it really, like, he just had such a weak will where I don't think this was his intention when he came here. But he was just influenced by Dr. Facilier saying, hey, I have this other plan. Do you want to be the prince? And he said, yes, that's great. But, like, didn't take any convincing. It was really weird. And and, and so that's kind of, like, the main problem is that I, I feel that the villains and the antagonists aren't very believable mm-hmm. in their motivations, so going to Doctor Facilier, uh, we do slowly kind of understand that he has this debt, basically to the voodoo gods and whatnot, and needs to pay it off. But I, I'm just sitting here and I'm seeing what he, how he's kind of has this big hoax on Naveen, and I'm like, well, is this a normal thing? Does does anyone who comes into your shop to do tarot card reading just suddenly turns into a frog or goes missing or, like? <laughs> or is this just happened to be a one-off? Because if that's the case, you would be out of business pretty fast because people would figure you out. But it just seems that he kind of like roams around and I don't know. It, that was very confusing to me, his whole situation. And um, I don't know, I didn't like it. It just didn't feel that it was... And yeah, obviously... Yeah,
1: I didn't like it. Didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Facilier, he's... I liked his character design because mm-hmm. he just seemed so much like a weasel mm-hmm. that you just like, mm-hmm. okay, I get that. <laughs> and I can understand that he, that you're obviously the guy that we're supposed to hate. Um, but as far as, like I said, in the very beginning, it was just like the fact that they had to go into tarot card reading and everything, it just kind of like gave me, uh, irked me just like a little bit. But um But that's that's the culture. That's it is the culture voodoo and uh, New Orleans thing. No, it is the culture. It is. But I guess it's just my own thing of just my own (laughs) bias. Like, did that bother you in Robin Hood when they're you know they have
0: the magic ball that's that they're reading or or. No, but I'm assuming, those are- th- I'm assuming his I'm assuming his demons bothered you, his shadow spirits. The demons, yeah. I mean, Maleficent has demons. A lot of these other villains have these demons or minions that they send out. Like, why did this one bother you so much? Because I do remember uh talking to you about this and you did not like the movie at all. And it was for <laughs> that very right. reason.
1: No, it was for that reason. And it was the fact that like you just I just, it was the fact that it was like dealing with the spirits and having them do your. If it's like having a person do your dirty work or a little minion, I mean, I, it's different, but it's like dealing with things of the other side. It just kind of was weird for me. I didn't like that part. But Disney's and, done uh, it before. When? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean,. <laughs>
0: There's lots of there's I feel like there's all sorts of movies where you send the spirit after to get uh, maybe people in the chat room will have a better idea. But, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> well, pretty sure. I don't know. I just don't feel like it's that uncommon. It's like a very. I mean, even in like um, a ve- here's the first one I can think of is Anastasia. Like, yeah, you weren't creeped out by that, but that was very yeah. real. In a way, yeah, they're like true. literal spirits from the other
1: side. Yeah, I wasn't creeped out with that. But, you know, we've also talked about how Rasputin was just a joke. Like they really did. They get, went kind of a little far to make him seem more like a joke. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Facilier, he wasn't. He was no. He was just a creeper. I just felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and. Oh, it's funny. Um, the animator of one of his, ma- the main animators, Bruce W. Smith, described him as the love child of Peter Pan and Captain Hook and Cruella DeVille. <laughs> nice. I was like, okay. All the good ones. I see that. Especially after watching um, Once Upon a Time, I see it even more. <laughs> well, kind of. But <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk. Oh, and then there
0: is Charlotte's dad who mm. i love he's he's just <laughs> such a jolly amazing guy uh, you can tell yeah. that he loves his family he's he's very kind and gracious but um, so he's he's nice we don't hear, i love that scene where they're trying he's trying to tell Tiana that they're going to be king and princess of the Mardi Gras parade and Charlotte will not let him talk at all <laughs> and she keeps interrupting him and he finally just stuffs her mouth full of beignets and, and finally breaks the news and she's like mm-hmm stuff in her mouth um I love it because I'm sure he deals with Charlotte on just a daily basis where she's just so excited and and all of that so yes voiced by John Goodman and
1: he does such a great job I think in John Goodman yeah he's this is one of his lesser known roles like not not lesser known but like lesser thought of Mm -hmm. you don't think of him for this one you think of him for like Mike and Sully type yeah Sully and you also think of you know other things but this was a, he did a good job. And I felt like the just his jolly old, you know, sense of of being was really well done for especially going along with Charlotte. Like you could tell that, oh, well, of course, Charlotte's going to roll over him and like, OK, but don't I'm no more Mr. Pushover here. Do you want a puppy? Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From yeah. The very beginning. So before we go into the bayou, let's talk about
0: like the human scene everything that happens there. So are there any moments that stand out to you in these opening scenes while they are human?
1: Definitely the, the part where you meet Prince Naveen, where Mm -hmm. he's just dancing away and having Mm -hmm. a good old time. Yeah. Then, um, you see, you see that side of him, just how he likes just to have fun. And he likes just to be, Oh, um, Ernesto also noticed that, um, Pacha from the, Mm. from the emperor's new group was one of John Goodman's. Yes. Um, yeah, I just felt like that was one that I remembered. The ball was yeah. One very- thing,
0: one thing about the ball that I love is that you see how kind and gracious Charlotte is. I mean, you'd think she's mm-hmm. just this would have grown up to be this complete brat, but no. They're having this big ball. She pays Tiana to make the beignets, although very short notice. If I were Tiana, yeah. <laughs> little ticks that you tell me the day of, um, and I've just started my shift, and. Th- that's like her seed money for her restaurant, which is one of the main driving forces of the film. Um, and so she goes and she does this party. And well, but before she does, she's able to actually put a down payment on her big. Um, so that almost their sequence, I think is amazing. I love the style that it was done mm, in. Mm-hmm. Um the the music it's it's good and you can like see her vision but then it all you know goes back to reality um but in the ball particularly i just love how gracious and kind charlotte is to tiana like you can see that they are friends and that she does respect tiana um just as a person and as a friend i don't feel that there's any sort of class between them mm-hmm. that you are below me or i am this hot, this debutante i don't see any of that even you know when uh charlotte's main motivation is the prince—that's all she cares about. Um, prince Naveen got to dance with him, got to marry him. Um, however, when Tiana does kind of uh, get uh, toppled over, and there's beignets everywhere, and her dress is messed up, she drops all that initially, and and goes to help her friend, and mm-hmm. picks her up, and says, "Okay, bye, Prince Naveen. I'll be back in a bit." And then takes Tiana, gives her a fresh set of clothes, gets her you know all prepped, and. <laughs> Yeah, just those scenes with, T- with um, Charlotte, how she's like, I'm sweating like a pig. And those are sort of things you wouldn't see in a normal Disney film, you know, like her stuffing tissues in her armpits <laughs> and down her shirt to stop the sweating and, and, you know, putting the mascara on. All those moments I just, I think, are so classic and great, but uh, also very, very sweet between her and Tiana. And so then we do have that scene where Tiana, um, so Prince Naveen has been turned into a frog and... She's kind of just sitting on the balcony, just enjoying, you know, kind of figuring things out and decides to wish on a star, which is something, you know, I think she'd kind of done away with, you know, ever since her dad said, no, you don't need to wish on stars. You just need to believe in you. Uh, But she she does that. And then. Oh, yes. (laughs) Ah. What is it? <laughs> Sweat like a sinner in church. <laughs> That's the quote. <laughs> Such a good one. And, um, and then this is where Naveen comes into play. And she is not, I am not going
1: to kiss a frog. You know, when she's little, she says that. And here she is, princess and the frog. <laughs> and there you go. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that turns. I, like that. I liked that plot twist. Of how, but it made me think of like, okay, is it just the first person that he kisses that turns into a frog? Like, how long does this (laughs) "you kiss me and you turn into a frog" thing last? Because obviously, it wasn't there when Charlotte ended up kissing him later. So, I don't, I don't know where that comes from.
0: Yeah, it's just a weird plot device to get them both (laughs) to turn into frogs. And you know, so one thing as we move into these frog sequences. I don't know about you, but as I was reflecting back on this movie, I realized that my favorite scenes were when they were human. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking back, I'm like, man, if they could just get rid of all the frog scenes, I think I'd like this movie better. Um, I don't know if it's just because I think the humans are that much more appealing. I don't think the characters of the frogs are that appealing design wise um there's a lot of good stuff that goes on but i don't know just like the whole part and i know that's the whole point of the movie and the fairy tale but i just i would have liked to have seen these characters as humans um longer yeah longer or just deal with uh, just get rid of the frog frog stuff (laughs) have some other story but uh that completely goes against the whole premise but i just loved. Anytime that these characters were humans because I felt like I related more to them and whatnot. So I can
1: see that. Too bad. For sure. All of of the moments that I remember, like, I remember a lot more moments when they're human than I do when they're frogs. Like, I'll think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that moment and there was that one. But, like, you think about when they're human. mm -hmm. more. So they
0: are frogs. There's nothing I can do
1: about that. They are
0: frogs. (laughs) And... Uh, so we, we meet a few, a variety of characters. One of them is Lewis, the alligator, who I ah, love.
1: He is such a delight. A one. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Once again, I'd had total flashbacks of, um, all dogs go to heaven and with him though. So, but it was all good. All good. Mm-hmm. All good things. All good yeah. things. Say So I, I like Lewis. He
0: is this, alligator who loves jazz music and he's quite an accomplished uh trumpet uh trumpetist, trumpeteer, <laughs> trumpet trumpeter 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 yeah there you go and <laughs> <laughs> and he uh i just love that little flashback where he tried to go onto one of the boats and and <laughs> everyone well. just screams and runs away and, and but that's his dream so uh, the main plot point in this film is that everybody whether you're an alligator or you are a prince or you are tiana's they or or even charlotte is you have a dream and you want it to come true so you know we're going through the bayou and and then lewis is going to help them out and find mama Odie, and then obviously we're Uh, Another character we're introduced to is good old Ray, Jim Cummings, the man Uh,
1: himself. Yes. (laughs) We've talked about how we love Jim Cummings. Um, The last time I remember really going into that was on Balto, because that was like the first time we ever seen him as like the main antagonist. Um, Other than
0: Raul in Aladdin. But Uh, it's not the main, he's an
1: ancillary, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, (laughs) That's a good one, too. (laughs) Had that, like, moment of, like, oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, he's, I think he, this one, I, oh, my gosh. He brought out his, his, this character where he brings out his Bayou accent. That's just, like, yes, Don Carnage. I got it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Don Carnage. He was one of my favorite, like, voices that he does him mm-hmm. and Darkwing,
0: so he's a Fantastic. very prominent uh, voice actor and he's done a lot of stuff for disney obviously he's done Darkwing duck he's done raul in aladdin he's uh you know the what's that guy's name in balto it's the bad guy's name um the the bad dog he's the baddie in, Bal- <laughs> in balto um he's it, winnie, he, winnie the pooh uh tigger mm-hmm. he's he does quite a bit for the Disney Company, so uh, although Darkwing Duck, I mean, if they brought Doc, Dark Darkwing Duck back, that would, which is at this point in time not that unfathomable based on other things they're bringing back, right. I would love that so much because Ah uh, Steel <laughs> Steel in Balto, he is the voice of Steel. Yes, so um, but and I, Ernesto brings
1: up he's Pete also in, uh, a goofy movie and in goofy movie uh, this Goose is Troop. this is where you would enter in Mason's chanting of all of his voices Uh, and he would do the voice and he'd do it so well but this is just such a different
0: voice because i think sometimes with his characters you can definitely like tell that it's jim cummings Mm -hmm. but um this one ah he's so good i love him i would love to interview him or meet him but alas we must continue on so he's ray ray's great and ray has a little big giant crush on evangeline who Thanks. is a star. And it, I I think it's just interesting because you think he's crazy this whole time. You're like, what is going on? You know, and everyone else seems to, uh, non-firefly species seems to think that he's a crazy, but they just go along with it. Um, ultimately, Tiana does kind of dash his hopes when she's angry,
1: but uh turns out that, hey, he was right all along. So at this point in time, they are in the bayou, and... Mama Odie. Let's talk more about Mama Odie. I like Mama Odie. She's I felt like as far as the romance goes, because the whole time I'm kind of waiting for this moment when Tiana and Prince Naveen actually like, do I believe it? Because this whole time I'm thinking, do I even believe that she who is rock and awesome and the go getter of the year to this guy who is totally peacock you know and like everything i despise <laughs> at what point in time will i find some goodness and that will they come together um and i i actually really thought they did a good job of kind of putting them together and you did see that he liked him uh, or she liked him a little bit more and he liked her a little bit more around this time and and mama odie kind of brings that out you know mm-hmm. saying you guys need to dig a little deeper You're looking for the wrong thing. So I, I appreciate what you need. (laughs) It was a good, good, good.
0: Yeah. So I I do think, you know, so then there is that sequence where, um, there's kind of the hillbillies in the swamp and they chase them and eh, I could do without that scene, I guess. Um, However, this scene was where I did notice the animation. So we haven't gone too much in detail about the animation. But so the animation for this obviously is hand drawn. And at the time that this film came out, there was, you know, Disney had developed the CAPS system, which is a a way to digitally ink and paint 2D animation. And it was developed in the 80s and used all through the 90s. But by the time they decided to do this film in... 2d animation around you know mid-2000s when they were producing this they realized that you know first off caps had been done away with because they shut down all 2d animation so obviously they weren't continuing to develop it and maintain it so it's basically outdated um so instead they actually got software that was just off the shelf and were able to animate using that so I thought that was pretty interesting. They did continue to use the 2D scenes on paper because some of the animators really struggled. They did some tests with the short and the animators struggled trying to do their characters, you know, digitally um, on tablets uh, and it just had the same feel. So the paper, the actual characters were done on paper and then everything else, the effects, the backgrounds, those were digitally in Photoshop um, and then after effects for the other effects. And I definitely noticed this weird merging of the animation in this scene with the hillbillies because there's a scene, and you can go back and watch it, where they are um, they are all standing in a bush. This is where we're first introduced to them. And uh, Toon Boom software was what they initially used. So thank you, everyone. And so anyway, so they're standing in these bushes and they're like, uh, talking about the frogs. And I just... The way that they're the leaves that they're standing in and those bushes move didn't feel very 2D to me. It felt more of like what we see in in TV animation where things just sort of like it like is almost as if you grabbed a point and moved it and it like everything shifts. And I don't even know if that makes sense, but anyways, I that was the one part where I was kind of taken out because I was noticing how they were t- doing their their background animation and it just felt so different because it just. Didn't feel like the same style at all. Total minor crit- you know, <laughs> critique. <laughs> Everything else was great, but I definitely noticed that. And maybe it was because I was watching it HD um, on my computer and I was very close to it. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was my two cents about the animation. Although the character animation is second to none. It is top, top, top notch. Mm-hmm. A lot of great animators worked on this. Uh, Andreas Deja did Mama Odie and her pet snake. Uh, like we said, Mark Hen did Tiana. Um, all sorts of uh, Disney greats. Eric Goldberg did Lewis, I believe. And so lots of, of greats worked on this. So it's no wonder that the character animation
1: is top notch. Mm-hmm. Eric Goldberg also supervised the scene of um, I'm Almost There. And mm-hmm. you can tell that yes. a lot because he did a lot of work with um, in Fantasia around this exact same style. And so he the was. The just- style. Not mm-hmm. um, not yeah not <laughs> yeah, the no, stick it, figures it, you
0: know, you know? <laughs> the shorts it's um, yeah yeah, no. yeah he he talks a lot about this they used it uh, in in fantasia but also it definitely inspired the genie and the style of the the line style of aladdin i can't remember his name right now but it's one It'll of his icons yeah so uh-huh. the the chat room will always alert yes. us anyways <laughs> so yes yeah, so you know Mama Odie, you know they thought she was going to be the answer to their prayers. She was going to solve other problems and turn them into humans, and she just kind of ushers them out and says hey it's it's what you need, not necessarily what you want, so figure it out. but she does say, however, that if he the prince marries a or kisses a princess before midnight, that all will be well and uh, did she say before midnight or is that self-imposed? I think, I, I think, think, I think that's self-imposed because, uh, Charlotte was going to only be the princess until midnight. So they just kind of assume that, okay, we have to do this before midnight. Um, and so they're like, great, we got to, cause she was the princess of the Mardi Gras parade.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I just don't remember if they actually said that or not.
0: Well, cause but... remember there's the whole clock ticking right. down. She was right, only right. the princess for the one day. And right. so when the clock strikes 12, she, she hurries and tries to kiss him because otherwise her title is gone. Um, so yeah, I, I love the scene where they're going back and Lewis just happens to fit right in because it's Mardi Gras and everyone's dressed in animal costumes <laughs> and he gets to jam out with these musicians. And it's so cute because he just wants this so bad. <laughs> and then he ends up being in the parade, um, and uh, unfortunately, has when he has to save the day, he lets this, uh, you know, facade away and scares everybody. What's new? He's, he's like, bah. Al Hirschfeld. Thank you, man. Ernesto is on a roll. He, has he given really is giving us all of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because, you know, we can't like look this up really quickly because we have to keep the discussion going. So uh, although I'm totally disrupting the discussion by bringing <laughs> it back. Anyway, um, I like that
1: scene. And then there's uh, what do you feel about the proposal? Too soon? <laughs> <laughs> too soon? <laughs> yeah, I would say that was too soon. Um, but then again, it's frog lifespan, so who knows if that's <laughs> yeah, going to be faster. I know they've gone through this incredible journey together that no
0: other people probably have gone through, turning into frogs and bonding and escaping death and all sorts of amazing things. However, I just... I, and I know we only have 90 minutes, right? There's right. not very much <laughs> time to make this relationship be believable, but
1: I don't know. I feel like, did it have to go to
0: marriage so soon?
1: <laughs> yeah, it did kind of take me off guard as far as, like, he's actually pulling out a ring? Like, what? Where did it like, come I, from? Yeah. Yeah, where did he get that? And I think... um uh, yeah, that was that was one thing. I was like, really? The proposal? I so, think the proposal later on, like after they maybe I don't know. I, yeah. 90 minutes. And <laughs> we get the reason for the
0: proposal, like the reason this can't just be a relationship. It has to be a engaged relationship is because to, to tie this up and to break the spell, which is I love the plot point where it's he has to kiss a princess. And by marrying Tiana, she becomes a princess. And that breaks the spell. I think that is so cool. And I love that. But I don't know. Maybe they could have been frogs for like a year, you know, after the fact. (laughs) Maybe they were. I don't
3: know. I don't
0: don't know. know.
1: Because there was no actual.
0: (laughs) So many stupid nitpicks. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I do. So kind of before we get to that, there's this rush for Charlotte. And, you know, Charlotte, uh, you know, sorry, Naveen loves Tiana so much at this point that he's willing to basically give himself to Charlotte, say, I will marry you. (laughs) He just doesn't care. He's like, I'll marry anyone at this point. I'm just desperate. (laughs) Hence the early proposal. But he's like, yeah, I, I love her so much. I want her to be happy. I want her to get what she wants. And it's almost like this blackmail, but it's kind of this backtrack blackmail that doesn't make sense. He's like, "Okay, if you kiss me, I will marry you but if I marry you, you have to pay the money to Tiana. And it's just, I get what she's getting at. I guess it's not blackmail. It's not the right word, but it just, it just has this like catch that, okay, I'll marry you, but you got to pay a lot of money. Um, (laughs) It's weird. And it feels weird. And obviously, so I think watching this, people are like, this makes, why would, why would he agree to do this? But then, you know, obviously it's for Tiana and um, that doesn't end up working. And she agrees to do it anyway without, mm-hmm. you know, um, any, no, no any, strings attached, honey. Yes. Yes. No strings attached. And, and then that doesn't quite work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm still kissing her. I'm, I'm still a frog. Yeah. So let's, let's move into the whole restaurant thing. Huh. So looking at that restaurant, I, my family owns a restaurant. Uh-huh. And so I know what goes into upkeep and I know what goes into, um, you know, keeping up with codes now. Granted, this is the 20s. They didn't have codes, particularly uh, at least <laughs> at least the codes they have now. Um, but still, like I'm yeah, there were no codes. Place. Let's be real here. There was no <laughs> there code no in codes. the 20s for your
0: building needs to be up to.
1: Maybe there were a few,
0: but um, yeah,
1: yeah. I they could have got
0: away with a lot.
1: <laughs> right. And so like you, you see how much that she actually has to go into this. There is not going to be just, okay, I put a down payment on this place and now I'm in business, honey. Like, you're not <laughs> going to be able to take care of this. And I'm looking at this the whole time. This is my, like, total pragmatic, like, non looking into Disney side. <laughs> I'm just like, honey, this is not, this is way more of a problem, more of a headache than you want to get rid of it. Also, you know, the location. Yeah, it's kind of, it's by the docks, but really? That's like a weird location. It's like, all these places on either side are you trying to just turn the block around i don't know but <laughs> that's true like now it's cool to have waterproof property but back then
0: like that's actually like the shipping uh, right. distribution hub like there's gonna be smelly fish everywhere there's gonna right. be all sorts of boats really noisy um it's not like nowadays like oh let's turn this abandoned warehouse into a chic restaurant
4: which is <laughs> right
1: and it's all the hipsters are gonna come it's uh yeah yeah so anyways continue so i'm looking at this and then you also see like they've got all of these lights pictures and that that chandelier alone chandeliers are not cheap like you are definitely looking into you better be a prince for you to get your dream (laughs) because there is no way no way whatsoever that you're gonna actually get this done based as uh, on the rack that you're on right now (laughs) so yeah that was my like moment chelsea rant Uh, hey through hey she can pinch a penny let's
0: (laughs) let me just tell you and she is able to pinch those pennies and stretch those pennies
1: because the final result is quite nice i like it a lot it was a nice i i would definitely go to that restaurant if it were today for sure and we finally have a home for lewis the gator and everyone's
0: totally cool with it Yes, so yay, we've overcome that hurdle in in society.
1: Here's a fun fun thing there where it said the the name of the band is written on the drum kit, and it's the Firefly Four and Lou when in Disneyland, they have the Firehouse Four and Two, which is the like um, the little the firehouse band that plays right outside at Disneyland. So I thought that was a, a good nod. Mm-hmm. Yes nod like it.
0: Yeah, I like how it it wraps up. I like that she got her her restaurant and her dream and I wish her the best. It seems to be a huge success.
1: <laughs> I Wish her the best. <laughs> Go for it. Wish you the best.
0: So, um the movie ends and it's happy. It is beautiful. It's the classic what? Disney, you know, where they're just dancing on the rooftop, fade out.
1: And but That's not the end. Oh, it was right before that. Let's let's back up. To the transformation. Oh, yes, I do have some opinions about the transformation. I have, I have opinions on that, too. You okay. can go first, because I've already done my a oh, bit Oh, well, rant. I don't know if these are... <laughs> I, I have a thought about the okay, transformation. Thought. So, uh, no, you continue about the
0: transformation, and I'll talk about after the transformation.
1: Okay, so the transformation for me was 100% swan princess. Like, the way that the, like, water comes around them as they're transforming, I was like, this is swan princess... How how dare they? It's so true, and a slight bit of Thumbelina. <laughs> like, like, hey, all of these, like, <laughs> when it works, <laughs> it works. Yeah, bring it back, bring it back.
0: Oh, but they broke. Don't think it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did, one thing that I, I did notice with her dress when she transforms into a princess, she basically, and maybe I'm wrong with this, but is she the only Disney princess whose iconic outfit is her wedding dress?
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, because Snow White, I mean, not Snow White, um, Sleeping Beauty... Did not get married. She did
0: not get married, true. She just gets introduced to court after everyone wakes up. So, anyways, I just thought that was interesting because it's a wedding dress, and she does have another wedding after the fact, but she wouldn't have broken the spell if she wasn't officially married, so it it was a legal wedding. So, yes, she is the only... Princess, well, other than Gis- well, Giselle, you see her more in the pink dress, but you do see her quite a bit in the big white dress. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting because it's, it's not a traditional wedding dress because it's green. It's a great dress, but I actually prefer her blue dress a lot more. I think mm-hmm. that blue dress is... I wish uh, Tiana in the parks would wear that, but it's cool. <laughs> it's
1: cool. <laughs> I liked oh. the bow tie f- fly. The bow tie, like, f- butterfly. <laughs>
2: As far oh, yeah. as, like,
1: breakout characters for me, he was one of my breakout characters. Where, well, there were two of them. <laughs> the first one was the black bow tie. And he, when he flies away, he's like, I thought it was a nice touch. <laughs> like, the voice on that was great. And then at the, the last one is a white tie. And he's like, congratulations. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would like a bow tie that would So there's some like interesting that. conversation
0: in the chat about is Belle's dress. her her yellow dress a wedding dress because Mm -hmm. she does wear it at the end and I don't know if it's ever clear that that is a wedding at the end but let's just pretend that it is and she is also wearing that dress at the end of the film but that's also the dress that Beast puts her in so is that also implying that Beast was trying to marry her and said okay we're going to have this amazing dinner here's your wedding dress by the end of this you better say yeah just kidding (laughs) (laughs) so that is Way out there logic So maybe we should uh, Wrap this up <laughs> Just
3: doing what oh, I man. do Look out boys I'm coming through
1: quite a few um, fun voicemails.
0: Yeah, so let's go into voicemails before we give our thoughts on it because the voicemails this week are quite good. They're always good, but they ask, um, give their thoughts in addition to uh, some good questions that will continue to have some good discussion. So our first voicemail is from Chad. So take it away, Chad. (laughs) Chad.
2: Howdy, Rotoscopers. This is Chad, just chiming in for your Princess and the Frog podcast, and I have to say I am thrilled that you're doing this one because, man, I could say a ton about Princess and the Frog. It is a great Disney film. It's got a great message. It's got great music. It's got great humor. It's got great hand run animation. I mean, this is, hands down, across the board, an A-plus hit of a Disney film, and maybe people will not agree with me on that, but I think it deserves to be up there with the other classics like The Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, because it's definitely got that feel to it. Um, Like I said, I love the message. Uh, Tiana is probably among my favorite of the Disney princesses because she works for what she wants. Uh, Favorite song is almost there because, uh, again... I love that message of working for what you want. And, you know, if you look back on your life, you can relate to that because I think we've all had those moments where we're almost there um, and we're working real hard each and every day. Um, I think I think my favorite humorous aspects of this film have to be Charlotte and Ray. Um, I adore Charlotte. She is probably my second favorite in this film and Ray's, Ray's just a nut. And, and like I said, the, the animation is amazing. I personally wish Disney would go back to doing more stuff like this. Uh, so, yeah.
0: Thanks, Chad. And so our next one is actually going to be from from Mystery Person, because they did not leave their name. They ask a good question.
4: Hey, Photoscopers. I'm so excited that you guys are reviewing The Princess and the Frog I love it movie. I think the songs, especially Almost Air, are amazing. And I think one question I have for you guys is why do you think Disney decided not to market this film as much as much as it as the other 3D animated films that come out? Thanks. Bye.
1: All right. Um why did Disney decide not to market the film as much as the other 3D Disney films that have come out I think honestly I think it was a combination of not so much that they decided not to market it I think it was more of they kind of figured out the best ways to market it um a little late mm-hmm. that's that's I believe that's kind of what happened there um because I don't think that any Disney film goes into it um I'm just not gonna market this you know yeah um it's more of like they really just didn't know how to get Yeah, I mean they been audience. they were not at the
0: top of their game, you know, no. during this period of time. This, you know, is arguably the one that kicks off uh the new era. However, I don't think it's the pinnacle or the peak of the new era. It mm-hmm. just is the beginning um and there's still with some learnings. It's the new new guard, I guess. Uh new people yeah. in charge. And so I think they were kind of trying to do, okay, what have we done in the past? What do we want to do now and um yeah oh jimmy decided to come in so jimmy (laughs) anyway all right so our next one so thank you for mystery person uh if that was you let us know we will give you credit on the next episode but our next caller is mark
4: hey morgan mason and chelsea it's mark I hear you guys are reviewing Princess and the Frog, so I'm just calling in to leave a voicemail, and hopefully I can actually make the uh live um, uh, podcast. Uh, Princess and the Frog, for me, it's not one of my favorite films, and it's a film that I find particularly average throughout. I think the story is average. I think the characters are average. I think the songs are average. I feel everything about it is average, with one exception, and that's the gorgeous hand-drawn animation up until this point when people would ask me which side of the fence was i on was i someone who preferred traditional animation over computer-generated animation or the other or vice versa i was pretty neutral at this point i didn't really have a favorite but when this movie came out and just seeing the traditional hand-drawn animation from disney which we hadn't seen in a full-length feature of the disney canon since home on the range it, it it literally felt like a breath of fresh air to me, and this was the film that converted me to being a, a purr of hand-drawn animation over computer-generated animation, although I could, of course, love both. But yeah, the Gorgeous Animation is pretty much the only reason I would watch this movie over and over and over again. And anyway, one question I have, I'm not sure if you guys will discuss this in the podcast or not, but... Generally, we're in the age where they call it the Disney revival period, and most people seem to say that it started around around this time that Princess and the Frog was the first one in the revival. But there are also differences of opinion. Some saying it started in 2008 with Bolt, and others even go back further, say, 2007 with Meet the Robinsons. And for all I know, there could be people who say, no, it actually started 2010 with Tangled. So the question I have for you guys is, where do you think the actual start of the Disney revival was? Like Halloween Renaissance, generally it's pretty much consensus that it was Little Mermaid. That was the beginning of that. But in terms of the revival, where do you think it actually started? Sorry for the long voicemail. I'm looking forward to hearing your answers. Bye.
1: All right. So where do we think that the, this revival kind of started that we're into right now? That's
0: hard. Um, was, it, was it Meet the Robinsons? Or was it Princess and the Frog, which, um, so Meet the Robinsons and then Bolt and then Princess and the Frog. So Mm -hmm. you're either cutting two films out or you're starting it here.
1: So, I mean, some people can say that it was when the new guard came in with Meet the Robinsons because this was the, you know, John Lasseter is now in charge. And so you have a lot of these options or a lot of these people that kind of like ushered it in, um, I honestly wasn't the biggest fan of, of those two movies, though. I mean, Meet the Robinsons, I thought was a really good movie. But for whatever reason, it doesn't have that replay value for me. And then this one, or I'm sorry, Bolt, I've only ever seen once. And it was a good movie. I thought it was, I thought it was a good movie, but it also doesn't have the, the replay value. I don't think, for me, I think it started with Tangled. I think that that one was the one that really pushed it off.
0: Hi, Jimmy. Jimmy is making his appearance. Does uh, he have a shirt on? No, that oh, okay. he just looks like he's wearing a, a tuxedo. <laughs> so you know, it's hard because technically, like you said, do you want? You could make it under the new guard, so it is Meet the Robinsons. However. Um, just going by my feeling of this, like this is not canon. This is just, you know, if I were to categorize it, I would call it Princess and the Frog. I feel like Bolt and Meet the Robinsons, while decent films, they're not, I don't think they're as as, as good as this film. And it sort mm-hmm. of reminds me of the Oliver and Company and, um... The great mouse detective mm-hmm. films, where those were good, and they were leading the path to get to this, you know, Little Mermaid Disney mm-hmm. Renaissance. But yeah. you wouldn't classify them as that; they were more like breaking the ice for that period. And that's what yeah. I consider those two films. Um, if you want to include them as part of the neo, if the Disney neo Renaissance, great. Um, but I really do think it kind of starts with Princess and the Frog.
1: Well, as far as our ratings, wait, we have one more. Oh, we have, we have one Sarah. more. Sarah sarah good
0: old sarah here we go
1: bum, bum,
3: bum, 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 bum. are you ready hey rose cat princess me sarah and i am here to leave a voice now for your um princess and the frog episode i actually really like this movie it's not like my favorite disney movie that would be oliver and company which I'll still need a review um but I love this song. I, I'm, I I love this movie. I love the songs. It's, it's such a great movie, and it's underappreciated. A lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, Frozen is the best Disney movie that has ever existed. I'm just ever like, a Princess of the Frog is a lot better, um, which it is. Um, I would give this movie like a – I don't know. Maybe a four-star rating. Maybe three and a half. I can't decide. Maybe split it. Split the difference and do three point seven five stars. But yeah, bye, Morgan
1: Mason and Chelsea. I love you. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Love you too. So that leads really well into my rating. Um, I also give this movie three and a half stars. I felt like it was it had a lot of really great things going for it. I did feel like it was lacking in the character development. Um, I love a good song though. And so you have a good songs in there. So that's why I give it even that 0. 0.5 <laughs> more than just a three star, but it was, I felt like there was ways that it could have been improved and that's just where it resonated with me. Perfect. I'm going to give it four stars. I think I can
0: very Comfortably give it four stars because there are things that, when I think back about this film, just make me really excited. And I think, ah, Princess and the Frog—it's so good. But then when I actually go and watch it, there are parts of the film that just don't really do it for me. It's not on such one of these higher planes or upper echelons of, of great storytelling. It's decent storytelling, but there are certain things that that I do struggle with. I do like the character of Tiana. I absolutely love Charlotte um Naveen while he is hunky um he's not my favorite Disney prince and is I don't know if that has to do with his personality or he's slightly underdeveloped the the villain really doesn't do it for me um I maybe someone did mention in the comments I think it was Fatty who he said maybe if the father's death could have been tied to Dr. Facilier that could have maybe made it a little bit more real and close to home and give him more motivations but Anyways, I love the songs. I love the two D animation. I'm absolutely thrilled that this film exists, for that reason. Because it, I mean, and how sad it's been um, eight years, no, seven years since we basically have had two D animation in a feature length form from Disney, which is oh, so sad. But four stars, I like it. Um, and if people would like to go back and watch this film, like, is, is if people suggest, oh, let's watch Princess and the Frog. Absolutely. I'm always up for it. So
1: yeah, I would be too. We had one more question in the um, chat. I thought you should answer. Who is your favorite Disney Prince, Morgan? Oh, just me. <laughs> <laughs> just um, you. I, I
0: love Aladdin and that's cause I'm somewhat biased towards that film. I really do have, um, but you can't go wrong with Prince Philip. I think he really does embody, a great Disney prince in having not only a personality for once, but also um, he's very courageous and brave and and actually does something to progress the story and um, save the princess in this situation. <laughs> so I do like him a lot. So him and Aladdin are kind of my my top princes.
1: Nice. And uh, all right. you're allowed to add yours too. I'm, <laughs> I'm allowed to add mine. Um, yeah, I would definitely, it's all about Prince Philip for me all about prince philip (laughs) oh yes
0: so um correction man why does this always happen uh it's actually been five years since winnie the pooh was the last 2d animated film and ah i know better than this to forget winnie the pooh like it's my pet peeve when people forget winnie the pooh and what did i just become my pet peeve i forgot winnie the pooh so uh, (laughs) we need to do that movie soon um However, we are not doing Winnie the Pooh anytime soon, unfortunately, although that would be really cool. I would love to do them back to back the uh, the many adventures of Winnie Pooh and then the other Winnie the Pooh that came out in 2010. However, we are not doing that. We are going to be doing um, a patron choice. So just to go back and give credit where credit is due, Courtney O'Keefe is one of the patrons and she selected princess and the frog. So thank you for picking that. And thank you for being a patron. Our next patron choice is from Jasmine and Jasmine gave us two um, recommendations, but her first recommendation hadn't been done yet. So her second one was the black cauldron, but since we have not done her first pick, we are going to do it. And it is lion King Two: Simba's pride. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel oh. like we get to do these direct-to-DVD sequels very much. And so I am really pumped for this because I remember loving this film when it came out. Um, I can sing some of the songs for you right now if you like, but I will hold off until the episode. But what a great, just fun movie to, to do. Um, we're still on our Disney Disney train. And then after that, we will be doing Ratchet and Clank, which is a new release that is coming out. And I think that'll be very interesting to review but again get your voicemails in for our lion king 2 episode rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or again you can leave us a phone number call us from your phone at 406-646-6575 we'd love to hear your thoughts on that film or when ratchet and clank comes out send us your thoughts on that as well we'll just keep them in the hopper ready to go for the next episode and uh, th- a big thank you to the patrons. Uh, we can't do this without the patrons. Huge thank you. And the patrons really are dominating all of the movie choices nowadays. It's either a new release or it is a patron pick and our hands are tied. We do not really pick the movies anymore. And I must admit, I am loving it. You it's know, fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is uh very Disney centric, which I'm not complaining about. Uh, but there's lots of really interesting movies that do get picked. Um, remember back in the day when we would do series so we did the horse series we did i a liked our series. series. Those i loved fun. our series but i guess we could potentially group our patron picks into different series but we are doing them based on the order in which you've been a patron so there are some patrons who've been patron almost a year and we still haven't gotten to their pick because there's just been so many patrons so thank you for being so patient with us mm-hmm. if you're interested in being a patron or interested about the perks of being a patron you can check it out at patron. And uh, any
1: last words, Chelsea? Last words. Last and final words. Thank you, guys. I mean, seriously, it's been a fun night. It's been a lot of fun being able to go back and talk about the the princess and the frog. Um, It's really been great. Definitely, if you want to check out any show notes, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 120. 120 episodes in. Be sure to leave a comment there, because we are there, and we do you know, respond, we do like and favorite those comments, and we like being able to talk to you guys there, and also leave your opinions, questions, whatever you like there. And then also, if you're going to be tweeting about this episode, which you totally should, you should use the hashtag AnimAddicts, or about the specific episode, AnimAddicts120. And then also, as Morgan said, the voicemails. So... Um, You can check out our individual locations. I have been doing a lot of Snapchatting lately, which, you know, hasn't always been the case, but that's where I've been as far as social media goes, and Instagram. Those are my two big ones right now. You can check me out on Instagram, Chelsea Robson, on Snapchat, on Chelsea M. Robson. You'll get to know my dogs really well. So, (laughs) and then Morgan, where have you been mostly lately? Um... I have just kind of
0: not been as active on social media, but I'm always on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and, of course,
1: Snapchat. So all of the above, at Morgan Stradling. Awesome. You can also check out Mason and all of his fun stuff on Twitter, S M T X. Also, this thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. And also his masonsmithprofile.com yes and just so you know mason if you are listening
0: to this you have been getting a lot of love in the chat so you were missed people said wow i've never heard chelsea and morgan analyze a movie so much well that's (laughs) what happens when mason's gone mason we love mason he has such great insight so i'm happy to let him do like 80 percent of the talking so he will be missed this episode but he will be back for Simba's pride. Get ready. <laughs> so with that, we will leave you here. And until next time, we, we are, are Rotoscopers. <laughs> <the> Rotoscopers. <laughs> I feel like you were going slow trying to catch up with me, but I was going slow to catch up with you. We just need to go normal, normal pace. But anyway,
3: thanks, guys. Dreams do come true.